0: I'm very excited to talk about our subject today, for several reasons. Among those reasons, however, is because, as of this year, it's a centennial. This year hosts a few notable centennial movies, like Payday, Nanook of the North, and Nosferatu. However, another film has turned 100, and deserves just as much attention. A film that combines fiction and documentary, for a unique effect and experience. A film that turned a lot of heads, both in rewarding and consequential ways. So if you're like me, and you enjoy film and the impact and emotions they convey, then grab a glass of your preferred liquid and join me for the next little while. For me that's a bottle of underdog from yards here in philadelphia so sit back relax and let's talk about the love of film welcome to glazed cinema If you listened to my inaugural episode titled "Vampire," then you'll know that German Expressionism was the impetus of my love for cinema. If you haven't, I recommend giving that episode a listen. Like our subject today, it's also a lesser-known gem from cinema's origins. In any case, Nosferatu is one of the reasons I got into cinema more seriously and it's getting a lot of love this year, and for good reason. It's the preemptive vampire movie, and one of the first complex narratives to greet viewers in theaters, and a visual and technical wonder. However, I like to do things differently around here, so for this spooky season, I'm highlighting another of my favorites from Silent Cinema. Another movie that for 1922 was shocking, horrifying, eye-opening and controversial. A film from Sweden about witchcraft through the ages. A movie called Hexen. Hexen comes from a Danish director named Benjamin Christensen. Christensen seemed to always gravitate towards creativity and expression. Starting out as an opera singer at the turn of the 20th century, he soon moved to acting and writing, until eventually landing in the directing chair. In 1913, he directed his first full-length feature, The Hemley Hill X, or The Mysterious X. The movie explored themes of false convictions, treachery, and heroism. Nine years later, another Christensen project would debut, one with very different themes, intentions, and effects. Hexen is the result of extensive research undertaken by Christensen on witchcraft throughout history. His research included everything from witchcraft practices, punishment handed down by authorities, and scientific translations of behavior. This alone made it very different from other films made prior or at the same time that depicted macabre matter. Instead of trying to horrify, his goal was to educate. Prior to writing this film, he had one goal in mind, and the director himself, put it best in an interview, when he stated, Quote, I want to throw light on the psychological causes of these witch trials by demonstrating their connections with certain abnormalities of the human psyche, abnormalities which have existed throughout history and still exist in our midst. End quote. Part documentary, part fiction, the best way I can describe Hexen is that it is like a film essay. Christensen set out to make a film without the conventional storytelling told of the time, and once his film was written, he had to seek for funding. In terms of financing, he approached his neighbors to the north, in Sweden. The film industry is a film production company in Sweden, and up to that point had made several great films and included a host of skilled directors, including Viktor Hörström and Moritz Stiller. In fact, the year prior, the studio released a film rooted in the macabre called The Phantom Carriage, from director Viktor Hirostrom. So in thinking of potential studios, Svensk Film Industry was at the top of Christensen's list. Hexen means the witch in Swedish, and is a movie told in seven parts. Each part explores a different time and place within the history of witchcraft. In all of its parts can be found some great visuals meant to stimulate, frighten, and captivate the viewer. In its remastered state, Hexen features many different color palettes throughout its seven parts. There are color filters of azure, red, sepia, and white, and all of which look absolutely fantastic despite its age. Hexen explores subjects of witchcraft, Satanism, persecution, and torture. Within its duration are a myriad of topics, including the Spanish Inquisition. While being a sort of film essay, the visuals of Hexen are pretty awesome, especially given the time. There are some images that must have been downright terrifying in 1922. I can see the images of the black mass being particularly shocking to viewers. Also, the first time we see the devil is quite a jarring moment, and the visual of the beast is pretty gnarly. I chose that image for the hint of this episode. It's got a great azure hint to it, and the quality is fantastic as well, in its remastered form. Jackson's parts are told chronologically, showcasing earliest details first and progressing to the year 1922. The movie is told using a multitude of storytelling techniques, available in the silent era. These range from showing pictures of artwork and woodcuts, stop-motion animation, reenactments told through moving pictures, and dialogue screens. Within the moving pictures of Hexen are some pretty phenomenal sets, props, and costumes. The camera work used throughout the movie is also pretty spectacular. Part 1 begins by explaining how the ancients saw Earth and the cosmos, which blends into how they saw Hell. Hell, after all, is the playground of the witch and the devil. There's this great section within the first part that shows this moving wooden sculpture, almost like an elaborate cuckoo clock sort of thing. The scene is draped in this brilliant red filter, and features fog to add more mystique. In this part we see artwork, models of what the world and universe was thought to be, and dialogue screens explaining details. Part 2 begins the moving pictures of Hexen, in which we join a witch in 1488. Here we follow a group of witches, as they are making and selling potions. They use things like a body from the gallows, and concoct potions for their customers to use. Part 3 begins some more teachings from German texts, and images of artwork depicting witch punishment. This is soon followed by a reenactment of how a witch was accused and captured. Using moving pictures, we see a woman confiding in a man to learn what ails him. As he lays in a bed, seemingly under the weather, he tells her that he has been cursed by atrocious witchcraft. Running to the church, she notifies the priest, who then rounds up the alleged witch. Part 4 depicts the punishment befallen accused witches. We see an old woman, shackled and under interrogation, and tortured in the ways of the Inquisition. Nothing is shown that is unsavory, but one can imagine the events unfolding. Afterwards, she confesses to giving birth to the children of Satan. Here we see images of witches flying, which is pretty surreal. And in her confession, she implicates those who accused her. Part 5 sees the Inquisition come to collect those who the old woman has implicated. With bag and cart, they are carried away one by one. We also see the punishment on a priest for his desires towards a young maiden accused of witchcraft. Here, Christensen states that he has tried to find out how the Inquisition behaved in certain circumstances. He also states that he hopes to have not depicted them so menacingly on the white screen. We also see the tricks the Inquisition used to get the accused to confess to being witches. They use things like circumstance and desperation to their advantage, all in the hopes of getting confessions. Part six discusses death brought by witches and to witches. In this part, the torture methods are reviewed, most of which are absolutely ghastly and entirely cruel. I don't know how people could and can do such things to others. In this section, we also learn of insanity spread through one convent, resulting in the thought possession of nuns. In doing research, I learned of the true events behind this, which has been coined the Loudun possessions, which occurred in the town of Loudun, France in 1634. Mimicking testimony from the Salem witch trials here in America, we can see some similarities between the two events, particularly in how the cursed would behave when they were allegedly possessed. With the Loudon possessions, it started with one nun, and then it spread throughout the whole covenant. Eventually, a priest was named as the one afflicting the upon all of the nuns, and was eventually burned at the stake, but only after he was succumbed to torture. It's an interesting read if you'd like to learn more about that event in our history, which happened only around 60 years earlier than the Salem Witch Trials here in America. Part 7, the final part of the film, discusses present days, which was a hundred years ago. In this part, Christensen tries to relate what these accused witches may have been suffering from. In 1922, he equates this to the term hysteria, and here the director relates scenes from the previous parts with this ailment, attempting to bring a more human element into focus. Of course, today we know more than we did in 1922. Things that modern medicine show what accused witches of old may have been suffering from. One of the best quotes in the entire film, at least in my opinion, lies within this section, in which Christensen states that one of his actresses declared something to him during filming. Taken from the movie itself, Quote, the lovely old woman who played Maria the Weaver in my film once raised her tired face to me during a pause in filming and said, The devil is real. I've seen him sitting at my bedside. End quote. Now, earlier I mentioned the fantastic effects used in this film, and there are many of them. But I have to mention one instance, It's something that I alluded to earlier, in which the witches are flying in the movie. They become translucent as they soar through the sky, across building tops and open sky. In my research, I uncovered how he was able to do this, and it's absolutely ingenious. Apparently at first he tried to film that effect from a moving train but didn't like the outcome that it provided. So instead, his engineers built a massive model of a town. When finished, the set stood at six feet tall and included around 250 homes within the model. The brilliant part of it, however, is that they didn't construct the town on the ground or the floor, but instead, on a carousel. The carousel was then turned by roughly 20 men, and the witches were filmed separately by a moving camera that tracked past them. The camera was generated by winds from an airplane engine. After the shot was finished, all of the images combined using an optical printer designed by the cinematographer. Now let that sink in for a moment. To get that shot, which looks fantastic to this day by the way, they needed a carousel, an airplane engine, and an experimental printer invented by the cinematographer. That to me is so impressive. One, to think of something like that is one thing, but to then execute it is a whole different other animal. It blew my mind in trying to imagine that undertaking and process. I also learned that when they filmed The Witches independently, there was around 75 actors and actresses who took on that role, so that's also 75 different takes they had to do. It's. Pretty nuts when you put it all together. Of course, that ingenuity came at a cost to the project. Not only in a budgetary cost, but also reputational costs as well. When the project was deemed finished, Hexen's total costs totaled between $1.5 and $2 million If you put that in today's perspective using an inflation calculator, $2 million comes to around $35 million in today's finances, which is a pretty high total. That tally also made it the most expensive Swedish film of the silent era. Christensen also received a reputation for being too extravagant a filmmaker. Unfortunately for Svensk, film industry, and Christiansen, Hexen would be stopped in its tracks almost right out of the gate. Hexen was well received and critically acclaimed in both Sweden and Denmark. In other parts of the world, however, it failed to garner the same kind of attention. Instead, it was abhorred and misunderstood in other countries, and as a result was banned by censorship boards. This was due to many of its controversial content, including scenes of torture, demonic orgies, black masses, and feverish nuns. Countries like France, Germany, and the United States of America banned the film from premiering. This also meant that the budgetary costs devoted to making the film were largely lost. In certain cases, Hexen was only allowed to be shown after copious amounts of editing, which removed the scenes of torture, nudity, and satanic themes. What originally was about a 104-minute movie, upon release in Scandinavia, became a 74-minute shell of itself. This cut version was stripped of its title, favoring the subtitle of Witchcraft Through the Ages instead. This version cut everything controversial, and made it more dry, and, unfortunately, it lost its original intention. When this shortened version debuted, it resulted in some audiences viewing it for the first time seven years later, in 1929. One of the interesting tidbits about this cut version, however, is that in 1968, another version was released, with narration from William S. Burroughs, which I think is pretty cool. His voice within this feature is interesting. It has a little bit of a feedback nature to it, almost echoey kind of sound, and it's pretty well done. In the years that followed, 1922, Hexen became lost between the censors, the bannings, and the rumors of what once was. It was rarely shown in its original form, and unfortunately faded from the public eye. That all changed, however, thanks to restorations and the redistribution of this silent-era wonder. Now, countless film fans can experience the film as it was intended. Christensen set out for Hexen to be a lesson, a teaching point, if you will. Obviously, a lot more is known about the subjects in Hexen today than what was known in 1922. We understand that, going into it. I mean, a hundred years is a long time, after all. Regardless of this, The intention of Christiansen is very much still alive. And even with the advances in technology, psychology, archaeology, and anthropology, providing what we know today, all these years later, Hexen is a great watch. If you're looking for something a little different during this spooky season, and you like history and the macabre, then give Hexen a try. Don't think you'll be disappointed pressing play on the Silent Era gem. If you'd like to watch Hexen for yourself, you can find it on a variety of streaming services. At the time of this recording, you can find Hexen on the Criterion channel. The Criterion channel is a service from our friends at the Criterion Collection. Criterion Channel is a tremendous value for any serious or burgeoning film fan and includes pricing options of $10.99 per month or $99 per year, which is what I chose to do. Apart from the Criterion Channel, you can also find it on HBO Max. HBO Max offers a diverse catalog of both TV and film options and offers pricing tiers of $9.99 month with ads, or $14.99 per month ad-free. You can also find Hexen on other services, including Voodoo, Prime Video, and Apple TV, for $2.99 to rent. This episode was written and recorded by me, Brian Kinney, with music by Kevin MacLeod. If you like this podcast, tell your friends and follow us on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Each week, there will be new content, including hints about episodes before they air. If you'd like to learn more about the podcast, visit our website at glazedcinema.com. There, you'll find more info about the show and a place to submit ideas for future episodes. For film fans who are hearing impaired, the blog page on our website features each episode in written form as well. As always, thanks for listening, and I hope to see you next time with another beverage and another fine film on Glazed Cinema.